Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz trumpeter and San Diego's jazz godfather, Gilbert Castellanos. He opened up about his new 2022 CD, Esperame and El Cielo, that stands as his long-awaited album following a 13-year hiatus from recording as a band leader while experiencing near ending health trauma. Always known for his distinct style as a leader, he has toured or recorded with some of jazz's biggest names like Dizzy Gillespie, Benny Golson, Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, Diana Krall, Willie Nelson, Jeff Goldblum, and the great Michael Buble. Along with the music these days, he currently serves as the artistic director of San Diego's prestigious Young Lions Jazz Conservatory. This is a very sage cat with great stories and insights. Enjoy this interview. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for taking a minute out today. Oh, of course, of course. Thank you for uh, thank you for calling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you bet. So you're down there in sunny San Diego, huh? Well, not so sunny right now, but yes. <laughs> so it's actually, <laughs> actually raining right now. <laughs> oh, well, that's rare. Yeah, we uh, took a family vacation this summer, went to a wedding in Colorado, and drove to San Diego, and it was wonderful. We were down at Imperial oh. Beach, and yeah, it's uh, a wonderful town. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Oh man, I'm sorry I missed you. I, I uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of uh, venues here in town that are really happening right now. That's what I hear. I hear the scene. Yeah, I hear the scene is really good out there. So next time I come through, it'll just make sure that I have to come back out to San Diego, which is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's good. Ex- For sure. Any excuse is a good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it is. Well, Gilbert, you have a brand new album out. Before we get into it. I want to know how you survived COVID. How did you get through that time period as an artist? Because I know it was really hard on the jazz community. And how did it change the way that you approach things now? Well, it changed my life, not only because of COVID, but um, I also had my first surgery of March 2020 on my mouth. Um, so right when I had my surgery, COVID hit about a week later. So um, I was already planning on not being able to perform for at least a good six months. So it was a a double whammy for me. Uh, You know, I had the COVID to deal with and then uh, recovering and not being able to play. And I had to reteach myself how to play the trumpet uh, from scratch. So it was quite challenging. But, um, you know, with with the support of family and friends and, and, of course, the music really got me through it. Now that, you know, you're coming out of this, the world's opening up, you have a brand new album, it has to feel really good probably to be out and have kind of a new lease on life. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, every time I perform, every time I sit foot on stage, I, I will never take performing and, and playing music for granted again. Every time I, I perform on a stage, I look at it as being the altar of joy. And, uh, you know, it's a, for me, it's like I have a new appreciation for not only life, but, um, of course, music and, and really approaching it from a standpoint that when I perform, I play like it's my last day living because you never know what's going to happen. For sure. So let's go back to your childhood. Talk to me about growing up and how kind of the seeds of both music and jazz got in you. Well, my father's a musician. He's still around. He's 87 years old. Um, he had a he had a 15 piece salsa cumbia band when I was growing up. I I was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, uh, so I I was pretty much around music my entire life. And uh, my father, like I mentioned before, he was more of a Latin jazz um, salsa cumbia player, but he was a big 
or to this day, he's still a huge jazz fan. So um, he's the one that really introduced me to more of the traditional jazz, um, more of the big bands and uh, artists like Charlie Parker and uh, Dexter Gordon and Coleman Hawkins and Fats Navarro. And that's how I kind of how I got my feet wet with with um, starting to listen to the music. And uh, I have to give credit to my father for that. Do you remember what your first live jazz show was that really blew you away? Oh, gosh. I think I was six or seven. My father took me to go see Dizzy Gillespie play. And uh, it was with the local college big band. He was a special guest. And it, it really just struck a chord in me to the point where that's all I listened to from that moment on was just jazz. And, uh, you know, I'm the, only, I'm the only boy. I have five sisters. So all my sisters shared rooms and I had to have my own room uh, and I was afraid to sleep alone at night. So I would record my father's records on the, on the, on the cassette and I would listen to people like Dizzy Gillespie after, you know, hearing him live and, and other artists to get me to sleep. So that's how I would, and, and, you know, just really get into the music is by sleeping to it. Wow. So I noticed that you had a 13 year hiatus from recording um, how, how did that happen? How, what, why, why was it such a long period? It wasn't from recording. I actually, I probably recorded over, uh, over, uh, gosh, over a hundred albums at that time from that period, the 13 year period. I just didn't release an album as a leader. So, um, it was just a, a, a pause for me releasing an album under my name, but I'm on, um, gosh, at this point, hundreds of recordings, including, you know, Michael Bublé, Diana Krall, uh, uh Gosh, the list goes on and on, but being a member of the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, you know, John Clayton really has us in the studio quite a bit recording with different artists. So how did you get your start? What was the first stage that you climbed up on, and when did you feel comfortable doing what you do now? Well, music has always been a thing where it's, it's, my, it's, it's a part of my DNA. And what I mean by that is that I, I know no better. It's like it's, music is just a part of me. It's like my third eye. Um, so I was performing as, as young as six, seven playing, opening up for my father, playing like the national anthem on my trumpet. He would have me come up in my little white suit and play my one little song before his band would, um, perform. So it's just kind of, a a natural organic thing for me to, to have music as part of, you know, a, a, be a part of, of me, of my heart and soul. So you had the chance to actually meet and play with Dizzy? Yes. So, you know, I got to hear him when I was seven years old. Fast forward to when now I'm 15. And uh, back to, back in the day, it used to be called the Monterey Jazz Festival High School Big Band. Now they call it the Next Generation Big Band. Uh, so I was a member of that orchestra for about the four years that I was in high school, my freshman through senior years of high school. And uh, during that time, Bill Berry was the uh, music director for the Monterey Jazz Festival, and he conducted the All-Star Big Band, which I was a part of. And every September, Dizzy Gillespie would be the featured artist with us. So not only did I get to play with them, but I got to spend some time with them. I took a group trumpet lesson with him, and uh, we, we were in Japan for two summers with, with the Monterey High School uh, All-Star Big Band with Dizzy and I mean, life-changing, without a doubt. So you've also had the chance to be around a lot of legends and luminaries. You mentioned John Clayton, um, 
you know, Michael Booth. There's been a lot of people. What have you learned ultimately from what we would all consider, you know, kind of veteran legends and luminaries in the world of jazz? What do they teach you that you in turn teach younger players? Well, you know, I, I run a nonprofit for uh, for youngsters here in San Diego. I have a, a nonprofit called Young Lions Jazz Conservatory. And one of the things that, that I really try to convey to my students is to respect the music. And that's where it starts. You really have to respect the music. You have to, um, this is something that I learned from my mentor, the great John Clayton. Um, I mean, I have learned so much from John Clayton, not only on the bandstand, but off the bandstand, how to treat people, how to treat, um, you know, how to take care of the music. Uh, so I always say to my students, and this is something from John Clayton again, if you take care of the music, the music will take care of you. You have been dubbed, I love this title, the godfather of San Diego's jazz scene. How did that come about? How do you feel about that moniker? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to process because, uh, I mean, I remember when I was a young lion when I first moved to San Diego in 1995. I was 20, 22 years old when I moved here, and I was kind of the, the new kid on the block. And But at that young age, I started to mentor younger players, uh, high school players, and so it just became a natural thing for me to um, have sessions at my home and have um, group lessons where I would get like young high school players to come over and, and teach them uh, the repertoire of the of the Blue Note catalog. We would learn uh, the original arrangements from Horace Silver, Art Blakey, uh, Freddie Hubbard, etc., and that just kind of blossomed into other things, and that led to me um, hosting events where I would feature young musicians. So I started to call it the Young Lions series. Fast forward uh, to 2016, and that's when I uh, started my nonprofit, Young Lions Jazz Conservatory, which is uh, now one of the most prestigious uh, jazz conservatories for high school kids and junior high school kids in the nation. So the one thing that's, that's key about you, obviously, being the godfather of jazz and, and having all of this experience and being around younger players, now that we're coming out of this pandemic or things are opening up, how do you see the state of jazz in America right now? Do you, do you see that it's strong? What's your take on what's going on in the, in, the, in the global jazz community or the American jazz community now? I think that it's stronger than ever. I, I, I have never seen so many young people just in love with jazz and it blows me away and i've seen it firsthand performing every week the majority of the of the audience that comes out to see me perform they're like in their you know under under 30s which is incredible and and it's like for for the youth to be embracing america's classical music jazz it's just a beautiful thing and, and it's just a really a, a renaissance right now um it's funny because my my good friend Emmett Cohen uh, sent me a text of of someone saying jazz is dead, and it's a photo of Emmett Cohen playing at Emmett's place, and below it says how many viewers were watching. It was 5.4 million viewers. So I thought that was funny. Let's say you have a dream tonight, and you run into your 20-year-old version of yourself, and you could give your young version a piece of advice based on the wisdom and the experience that you've gained throughout your life. What would you tell your young version? I would tell my young version not to have one of the burners burning and relying on that to, to feed you and to, and to, you know, as far as keeping you stabilized financially and mentally and, 
and of course you have to be creative and all that. But I always tell, well, well, if I were to say that to my young, my younger version is have all the burners on. And what I mean by that, just don't focus on performing. You have to have all the burners on. You have to have the oven on. You have to have the toaster on. You have to have the coffee machine on. That means that you have to be able to not only perform, but learn how to teach, learn how to write music, compose, educate yourself about copywriting, your music, protect yourself. Um, there's just so many elements that you really have to have together in order to be a successful musician in this day and age. So when you look back on your career, what are you the proudest of? What, what, what brings a smile to your face when you think about everything you've done? The San Diego music community. I'm extremely proud of what has transpired here, what I have contributed in creating um, as far as this mecca here in San Diego. I call it the uh, Lincoln Center of the West Coast. It, it's really remarkable in what we have here in San Diego and how the youth, they're really responsible for, for um, taking it to that next level and for putting San Diego on the map. And I'll give you a perfect example. Speaking of the album, Esperame and En Cielo, there's a young bass player that, that happens to be one of my former students, John Murray. He's 17 years old on this recording, and he's at Juilliard now on a full scholarship, uh, handpicked by Winston Marsalis. So it's like these are the type of things that I'm, I'm proud of, and it all goes back to the community. So very simply put, why do you love jazz? I love all types of music. Jazz just happens to be the type of music that I play the most of. One of my first teachers at a lesson said to me, what type of music do you like? And I, the first thing out of my mouth was, I hate country music. And those words came out of my mouth. I was young and foolish. And he stopped me and said, wait a minute, hold on. We're going to end the lesson here. And I'm going to tell you why. In order for you to be an open-minded, creative musician, you have to appreciate and respect all genres of music including country. Country music is beautiful, and there's just incredible music out there that I want you to listen to. So he, made, he gave me a list of, of artists to check out, and I did that. And then uh, in 20, I believe it was in 2014, 2015, I got a call to record with Willie Nelson. <laughs> and wow. I, that was the first thing that I thought about. I was like, gosh, he was so right. And here I am recording with, a list, with one of the biggest names in, in music. And uh, so, yeah, so, I, of course, I love jazz, but jazz is just the, it's the, it's the um, plumbing of my music, musical DNA. So it's, it, I, it, it branches out to other genres of music. You know, I love, I love, um, I love everything from French music to Ethiopian jazz to um, Cuban music to, uh, I mean, you name it. It's like, if it's, if it has rhythm and, and some type of harmonic structure, then I, yeah, I'll give it a chance and I will listen to it. So everyone out there has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're the one living your life. You have a perception of you. Who do you think you are? Well, I think I'm just the messenger of this music at this time. I think that I was put on this earth for a purpose. Um, I, I, I've already told myself a gazillion times, you're never going to be a, a Dizzy Gillespie. You're never going to be a Clifford Brown. You're never going to be a Freddie Hubbard, a Lee Morgan, um, a Winston Marsalis. But at least you're, you can you can carry this message on to others and be that person and live in that moment and deliver music as much as you can until I'm no longer to, to be able to play anymore. 
Gilbert, this has been wonderful. Thank you for opening up. Thanks for talking about the new album and your liking music. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for your time, Joe. And, uh, uh, you know, thank you for so much for uh, showing interest in the album. I hope you're enjoying it. I appreciate everything. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in San Diego, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Gilbert for his class, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or Spotify. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.